Hi everyone and welcome to episode 63 of The Sweet Spot on a Farm. I'm assuming that this may be actually your first episode and you might have absolutely no idea what to expect. Then let me tell you that this is a podcast about health and food. It's my search for an answer to how can we achieve healthy body and mind with the tools that are available to us locally. And I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. I bring in some interesting guests who have a lot of valuable information to share and who can provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and every one of us. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals, organic farmers and food producers, therapists and simply anyone whose business and life mission it is to keep the rest of us healthy. I ask them about their work, their passions and their lifestyles and I wonder what they like to eat and we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. If you are familiar with this podcast and if you listen to episode 61 with Helen McClemens, you might remember Helen mentioning a community project called Shared Threads, which helps fight period poverty. Shared Threads has been started by a lady called Kirsty here in Northern Ireland and Kirsty is my guest today. So um, would you mind maybe tell me a little bit about you and of course how you decided to start Shared Threads? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so yeah, I'm Kirsty, and thanks so much for having me on here to chat. It's lovely. Um, yeah, I'm Kirsty. Um, I live in Belfast, and I have three kids. My oldest is fourteen, um, and I have one who is twelve. And my littlest is eight. Um, so yeah, the past year in lockdowns and homeschooling has been very interesting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> challenging and <laughs> um, but yeah it's been it's been all good as well um one of them was back last week so that was at least something <laughs> little by little we'll get back we'll get back to school but yeah I'm uh yeah so before I before I was a mum I was a I was an art teacher um, I did that for a long time and then I took a little career break when I had my kids um, and then I spent some time when they when they got a little bit older I spent some time getting back into teaching in kind of a different way like running workshops and classes and I ran kind of creative workshops um, in nursing homes um, I worked with young people with learning difficulties I kind of spent a lot of time running classes and workshops and realized that I love that so much. I love gathering people together to work and make and just be creative and, you know, that kind of um, community vibe that comes from that and just bringing people together and making and chatting and, you know, that whole sociable side of making with people. Um, I just love that so much. Um, um, and that's been a really great thing about shared threads developing the way it has you know but yeah and I um I started that I started that about three years ago when I started to get really angry about how some girls cannot go to school my own daughter was just starting secondary school and I just when I read about how some girls couldn't continue their education I just just made me really angry and I thought what could we do about this so, are you um, serious that's actually happening in 21st century 
In yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. Here, yes, period poverty is very real. I mean, it's a huge issue around the world. Um, you know, the, the packs that we mostly send to overseas. Um, so there'll be girls who don't have period supplies. And it means that when they're on their period for that week every month, they just can't leave their house. They're confined to a room in their house. They can't they can't leave their house, never mind their village. So they can't go to school for a week every month. Um, so they're missing out a week on their education every month. But a lot of girls um, just stop going altogether, you know, because... It's so unsettling, missing. You can, you know, you can imagine what it would be like if you missed a week every month. You could just you'd get behind. You'd get caught up in being busy in your village, helping with what's going on, maybe working, helping with the younger kids, you know. And you just, just so many girls just stop altogether, sort of age 12, 13, whenever they start their period. Um, so yeah, that made me, oh, that made me so cross and so it's just not fair. It's not fair that girls are held back that they don't have the same opportunities just because they don't have period supplies you know um so yeah I started reading a lot about it and finding out more about it realized it's a huge issue here as well there's girls that can't afford period supplies and are missing out on school um which is obviously why there's been a big push here to get free supplies in schools which um is great but yeah I quickly realized we could do something about it because the organisations and charities I was working with and talking to in the first instance were saying things to me like, oh, can you please send some of your pads because um, the girls here are, they're using newspaper or they're using old rags, they're using leaves, they're using sand, you know, can you please send us some pads? Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's not a problem here. We have so much stuff. We have so much cloth. We have so much waste, you know. Um, like, I'm a huge upcycling, recycling fanatic. I like to, like, everything in my house is upcycled. I never buy anything new. <laughs> if I can get it secondhand and paint it, I will do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I realised, like, all this secondhand cotton and cloth and tiles that we have piled up in our house that just goes to landfill. We could turn this. We could turn this into the to pads really easily. Um, so yeah, I gathered some people and started making, and it just grew from there. Um, one group got going, then another group, then another group. Um, you know, and people people realise, yeah, we have the stuff. We have the people that can make these pads, and then we can get them sent out to girls. And it's such a simple, simple solution. Um, and that means they can go to school. And it's not just girls now we're sending packs to, you know, because it's, it's an issue for so many women who just can't get about their normal life, you know, because they're because of this limitation that when you're on your period puts on you and they can't, you know, get to work or leave their house or whatever. Um, so, yeah, and, 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 yeah, and then there's that, there's been that exciting gathering of groups and people getting involved and people feeling like they can really do something because that's there's nothing worse than you know when you just hear about a problem and then you just think oh well well there's nothing much we can do about that it's very sad but you know this is a real actual tangible thing like we can take this turn it into this and give it you know and it and it it solves it solves the problem 
Um, and it's really sustainable as well. Like you're not just um, giving disposables or, you know, and then, you know, it's a sustainable solution. It means you give, we, we put them in this packs. Um, so there's like six pads and two little holders and we put some pants in the pack and it's all in like a little pretty drawstring bag. Um, and a girl gets that and they don't I mean that's them they don't need to worry about where their supply is coming from next month or the next month or the next month you know they can look after their own menstrual hygiene and they you know they them sorted it gives them that freedom and that opportunity to just get on with how did you get people involved and who did you approach it's not it's not it's not been it's um not been that difficult i think people really identify with it and when they realize that they can actually do something to help people are so keen to get involved honestly i mean and now i've got little groups starting starting all over all over northern ireland and some in the south as well um and i think because of the way i've um structured the groups how people gather um because we work in groups it's not just people in individually making pads you know because you kind of need to be a sewer to do that But because um, I've structured in it that we work in groups, partly because I wanted to build community and build, you know, gathering people and it being a sociable, you know, thing, you know, gathering together and connecting with people in your local area. Um, but it also means that anybody can get involved. You don't need to be good at sewing. You don't need to be creative. You don't, you know, so many people will say, oh, I couldn't really. I couldn't really help with that. I'm not creative or I'm not a sewer. But because we work in groups, anybody can join in because there's all this stuff to do that doesn't require sewing skills. There's all the cutting up of tiles. There's the cutting out of the patterns, drawing of the patterns. There's putting the packs together. There's ironing. There's, you know, actually the sewing bits, a fairly small part of putting the packs together. Um so it's great. It means that people, there's people in groups. You know, there's young kids get involved. You know, I have my 12-year-old son cutting up tiles. You know, um, but we have you know maybe older ladies in the groups who maybe have maybe they weren't swear sewers and they've got arthritis and they can't sew anymore, but they can do the ironing or they can put the drawstring like thread through the bags or you know there's, there's jobs for everybody and that's the beauty of working in a group and it makes everybody. Every little bit that everybody does is vital in putting these packs together. So everybody feels like they're part of the solution, and you know. So do you have like a, do you have like a little manual and guidelines for people to work off? Yeah. So I yeah I do. So I I start a group in an area, um, and um, kind of identify someone to to coordinate that group. So there's usually be somebody who will kind of step up to to run that group and sort of organize it um and yeah and then I gather everyone together do like some little demonstrations I've been doing all that like this by zoom in the last while um yeah and give them all the patterns and show them how to make everything and all the in instructions and you know how to how to run as a group and how to how to source everything and put everything together and um yeah and then they just then they just go you know they they set up a little whatsapp group and they stay connected in that way and at the minute like through lockdown people have been making away because you know people can work in their own homes and then like drop things off at each other's houses and they've been getting the packs made that way which is great 
Um, but I can't wait till they can gather again. And when you when when you gather, when it's as in physical gathering, do you like meet up once a month or once a week? Or it depends on the group. Every group decides for themselves. So some groups um, meet every week, every fortnight. Some once a month. It just depends. It depends on the group. And it depends on the size of the group. You know, some of them are quite small. Some groups are maybe thirty people. You know. Um, so yeah, but it's it's great crack when you get when you get together <laughs> when the groups get together and um, yeah, and everybody's doing bits and you know is that you know that way when you're sitting, especially doing jobs like cutting out or pinning or something that's quite repetitive. That you know it lends itself really well to just chatting with people around you. You know because you're sitting, your hands are busy, and but you you can. You know, you don't have to concentrate too much, but you can chat away, and it's, it's really sociable. You know, um, which I love. I love that. And yeah, that's probably for those skillful hands. I think I would be one of those who'd manage to sew her fingers into the pad if I was talking and sewing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the people, the sewers quite often would do their sewing at home, and um, yeah, so maybe you know, and and actually people. We'll maybe get together and just do cutting out or just do you know some of the simpler jobs and you know just have a nice gathering together um some people in the last lockdown kind of get got together in each other's gardens and did cutting out and yeah activity and, and people love getting involved i think people really identify they really you know when they when they hear the situation and they realize they can do something to help they're you know you're saying how do we get people involved but <clears throat> people people really are keen to get involved you know what can i do what can i do which is which is brilliant i think probably especially now during lockdown when so many people either can't work or aren't furlough or um maybe sadly so many people lost their jobs as well and perhaps are looking for something to get involved in exactly and i've actually been starting more groups lately than ever because i think because of that reason you know people are and also people have had their kids at home and they've been getting them involved and but yeah you're absolutely right people are keen to and and also to be part of something that's outside their own house and outside their own four walls you know i think we're all no matter who we are I think we all um in some way look for purpose um and I think do something um with other people get involved in something like that and knowing that we're doing something good for somebody else and it might help somebody out there um I think that's really important too it really is I mean the the feeling of being able like you're sitting at your kitchen table but you're doing you're doing something that's going to change somebody's life somewhere, you know. Um, that's pretty special. <laughs> um, I still can't. I still can't believe that we're in twenty first century and we're we're fighting. I mean, we're fighting so many things like food poverty, period poverty. I mean, this should not be happening. And so I'm I'm really grateful that there are organizations and projects and communities like yours that are trying to do something and and obviously are doing it well it's just incredible to to see because I think a lot of people think that you know 
I'm just one person what can I do like I can't change anything but actually we can I think you're you're a great example of just one person starting something and then it snowballs and it develops into something absolutely amazing um and um the fu- I think the fact that you're working with charities as well that gives you a wider reach because you really can reach communities that you maybe wouldn't be able to reach just by yourself so how does this work can you can you maybe I don't know if if you can mention any charities that you work with and how does the chain work what happens from whenever you finish a set of bags how does it get to where it needs to go Yeah, so lots of different ways. Um, first reason I really started working with charities and organizations, well, they they approached me to start with because, you know, there's such a need, like we literally can't make enough ads. Um, but um, it's really important to me that when the pads are given out, that they're given out alongside good menstrual education. You know, I don't want the pads to just be handed out and... Um, girls not know what to do with them or and so much of there's so many issues go alongside so for example um, I work with a couple of charities in India um, and girls in India are just not taught about their periods they're not taught anything about their bodies and their menstrual cycle they're not explained why it happens there's this fear that surrounds it there's this taboo there's this shame Families don't talk to each other about it. Um, so girls go through their life not knowing why this is happening to them, not knowing how to deal with it, and not knowing how to look after themselves properly. Um, um, and this is a huge India, huge issue in India, a huge problem. Um, so it's really important to me that when we give out the pads, that it's they're given out alongside good education. Um, so I started that initially with the first charity I worked with, you know, and that like the girls would have had like a talk from a nurse and handed out the pads and just taught simple things, you know, like they, you know, how to, you know, manage period pain, how, you know, just how to wash the pads properly, how, like why, why this happens to them, what's going on in their body, that it's nothing to be ashamed of, um, um, just the simple basics and they just don't know it, um, So that's something that is done best through organizations that are established in local areas, you know, better than I can ever do it. So that's why it's important to me to work with organizations that have people there on the ground already working there, healthcare, you know, nurses, whoever. Um, So when the the pads go out um, through whichever organization, that's how they're delivered. They're delivered alongside good education so yeah and they get delivered in different ways um pre pre pre-covid times quite often i would have found um different organizations would maybe be teams going out from the uk and they would bring packs out with them that was quite a good way of 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 getting packs out um other organizations just ship them um and more recently i've been working with more local organizations um so um we've been recently providing pads to bloody good period who are an organization that work um just outside london um and they deliver period packs or they deliver menstrual supplies all over the uk to refugees and asylum seekers but they do that alongside really good menstrual education as well so so 
they asked for some of our cloth pads because they're really trying to encourage using reusables and washable pads um, at the minute. Um, and, and yeah, and closer to home as well. Organisations in Northern Ireland have asked me for pads this past year as well. An organisation called Flourish NI, who work with women who've been trafficked here into Northern Ireland. Um, and yeah, we've been delivering pads to them. So obviously distribution locally in within Belfast is much easier. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so that that's 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 how we work. And an organization will approach me and say, so for example, um charity called T Z Rising, they work in Tanzania and um they have uh, a girls' home that support teenage girls that come and live in the home and they get them through their their um education, get them through college really. Um so they they'd asked for some packs for their girls um but like I said a team was going out a couple of years ago and they brought a whole load out with them um or sometimes we ship them just depends just depends on but yeah we were getting packs going out all the time um yeah but but more grips are starting and more pads are being made so it's fantastic do you have any idea how many of those bags have you and your groups made since you started? Um, oh, thousands and thousands of pads. <laughs> yeah. Um, people have been amazing with um, the making, for example, in the first year. Um, charity in India, a lot that works near the, the charity that we distribute to, asked, could we, um, this was my first big ask from a, from a charity, they asked, could we, send out 200 packs um to their women they had a women's prison there and they they wanted them for the for the women in the women's prison and i almost said no because i thought we were just starting out and i thought 200 packs no way no way well um but some of my volunteers just went let's try kirsty let's yeah let's 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 try and do it so we kind of put the word out everybody stepped up and people everyone got people helping and um we were asked to try and get them out before christmas and we did it we did it in about two months everybody just made and cut and sewed and got people helping and um that kind of that kind of blew me away actually that was the first time that i thought wow people really people really want to get involved in this people really can, can we can do this we can actually you know um there is a need and we can we can we can make these and this is amazing and and also the fact that you're not only you're obviously helping women in need but you're saving the environment as well because obviously reusables there's no plastic recycling um this (laughs) this is incredible project um This is, yeah, this is crazy. I've actually talked to Helen um, whenever I was chatting to her and um, she, she was saying that there is a there is a big sort of stigma about uh, women's blood and a lot of people think that using, uh, you know, reusables, that it's disgusting. And uh, But I think that pushing it um, is is something that really needs to be done and I would really really like to see uh, those in, in supermarkets and in shops and in chemists 
Um, so people can make the choice whether they want to buy reusables or whether they still want to go for... I mean, I've been looking for um, reusables now as well because I want to switch myself. Um, I, I've realized how much plastic we are putting into... And it, it's so bad that actually by... Because of something so natural... Um, that the menstrual cycle is. We're actually ruining the planet and putting so much plastic um, into the waste and actually ruining the nature. It's, um, yeah, it's completely mad. Um, it is, and also, also I find um, cloth pads make so much sense to me as well. To wear something against your skin that's plastic, that's not breathable, you know, our cloth pads are all you know 100% cotton breathable like it just makes so much more sense to wear something like that than you know something plastic and so how do you um how do you make those what goes into the pad because obviously um some women might wonder you know how do you make it um you know sort of time proof because obviously if you're say you're at work and you know you need to be able to you need to make sure that it's not going to leak and you're not gonna end up with an embarrassing stain on your trousers or whatever so what goes into the pattern how does it work so we we make a little um cotton holder that fits on your pants and it's got little wings that have poppers and they pop they pop under your pants and the little holder has little kind of pockets in it mm-hmm. that the pads slip into so that the pads don't move around because obviously disposables they're going to stick to your pants so we make these little holders that hold the pad in place and then you switch them in and out so whenever they're um you know whenever they're like wet enough you need to take them out and change them you can change them and just keep the same little holder um so they're just cotton but the pads themselves are made with three layers the bottom layer is a breathable waterproof fabric um so they're totally waterproof but they're breathable as well the middle layer is tiling and then the top layer we use like a, a softer cotton you know like a flannel flannel or brushed cotton so they're really nice and soft against you um so yeah totally and tiling is super absorbent especially secondhand tiles because you know whenever You know, whenever you've got tiles and you've washed them loads of times, they actually become more absorbent. Um, so it's like the perfect thing to use. Um, so yeah, the, the water, the waterproof layer on the bottom, tiling, and then a nice soft cotton on the top. Um, and we try and use kind of um, dark or patterned colors as well. You know, um, but yeah, so the pads are totally, totally um, waterproof, um, and we put in a pack. For the girls that we send to, we put um, an extra holder just in case one gets stained, and we put six pads in each pack, which is enough for them to use throughout the day, and then wash them out at night time. And so, all this fabric, all these materials are recyclable, I suppose, apart from the waterproof bit. Am I right? That's the only bit we have to buy, and so you know, but it's it's an important bit because. It's what makes them waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where, um, I suppose all these recyclable uh, materials, they are donated to you. Where can people donate? Or do you, I think I read on our website that at the minute you're actually not accepting donations. Is that right? Only only at our central 
um, office because we couldn't move for bags of tiles. <laughs> ah. um, so, now, so, <laughs> so now what we do is ask people, yes, to keep, keep donating, but to contact their local group um, because we've got 10 or more groups now and dotted across Northern Ireland. So people get in touch with their local group and if they need and you know, I've got tiles, or I've got cotton, or I've got duvet covers. Do you, you know, and then they get them straight to the group who's making them. Um, so yeah, that's what that's how you can donate materials. Um, oh my god! I, and to think that over the past few years, the last time I moved, actually, I got rid of so many towels and duvet covers, and it could have gone to such a good cause. Um, this is amazing because, like, loads of people. Like, I mean, anytime you move and and people go through towels over the years and then it ends up god knows where this is such a great way we've came to clear out their their old bedding their old tiles and and it's the type of thing like you say you don't even take to the charity shop they mostly just go to our dump to go to landfill you know and here we're able to turn them like our waste literally our waste (laughs) that's going to our landfills into something you know that's changing can change people's lives you know we're gonna have quite a few towels and and bedding pieces uh, very soon so i'm gonna have to see about local groups and where i could donate because i definitely want this to be repurposed and for something meaningful yeah and it's lovely to see also we get a lot of we get a lot of donations off you know because the holders we you know nice patterned it's nice when we get nice patterns and colors you know because it's nice especially for the bags that we give to the girls that they look nice and pretty and look, our volunteers do an amazing job making them look nice some of our groups will like in, like if maybe all the bags look the same they'll like embroider little like flowers or something on them one of our groups makes little crocheted flowers and attaches them to all the bags and they're just so they're beautiful it means the girls getting something and it's you know, it's obviously been handmade for them and it's really pretty and um but we also get this real mix of um oh you should see the pads they're just gorgeous because you get all this mix when you get donated cotton it's all different colors some of it's you know when you've got when you've got sewers particularly older from an older generation who have um i don't know if you know this but sewers literally hoard fabric <laughs> they will they will buy fabric their entire life. They will, they will, they will find it in charity shops. They will, they will buy it and they will not use it all. And they will literally, if you meet a sewer, they will have hoarded stashes of fabric. <laughs> but it means if you've done that your entire life and you're maybe in your seventies and you're thinking, I'm never going to use all this material. Um, that you know, it's so that's you know, so many of my older ladies will say, I'm so glad this is what my ter- material is being used for. My family want me to clear out and I can't bear because I've I've gathered this my whole life but you know it's going to make these pads now so you've got this you've got this gorgeous mix of like generations of fabric you know going into and being made into pads by generations of of makers you know so it's there's something really beautiful about that you know um people will quite often because I'm always taking pictures of pads and because I just get excited every time they come in and they're so pretty um so people will send me messages on instagram or whatever say i recognize that that was my granny's duvet or that was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been turned into you know that that lovely um mix of like colors and kind of generations of material i love it love it 
That is so nice. You make it sound like something so so idyllic. I can totally see you with the group of other makers sitting around the fire somewhere and having a having a wee chat and <laughs> sitting for hours making bags with pods. <laughs> It is a lovely way to spend an evening, I tell you, and chatting and yeah, yeah, it's great. So do you know how many groups you've got, you've got around Northern Ireland um, at the minute? Ten, ten at the minute, but growing fast. Oh, wow. Growing fast and um, yeah, and you know, getting more groups started all the time. So um, if, if, you know, if you find you're in an area that um doesn't have a group you know I, I'm always asking people to get in touch you know um groups can start with as few as six people you know have you got one in Bangor yes we do you we do, do but it's grown quite, it's grown quite big so I, I I think there may well be another one in Bangor soon because the Bangor one's got we're looking oh, we're, that's where we're hoping to move in the next um few months so uh that's where I'll be probably donating my fabric <laughs> um so how can people can people just get in touch with you email you if they want to start a group or if they want to get involved in any way donate fabric etc etc yeah so if if you can on our web on our website there's a list of all the groups and all the contact details of all the group coordinators so if you live near one of those groups you can just get in touch with them or donate fabric to them or like join their group and, and and the beauty of getting involved in a group is that you can be as involved as little or as much as you want you know it can be that you just pop along once a month if you want to or maybe you just take some of the stuff and do a little bit of sewing while you can or a little bit of cutting and, and then hand it over you know you can do as much or as little as you want to take part um and yeah if people want to get a group started in their area it's very easy to just get in touch with me and we get a few people and we get it started and yeah and so what is the best way to get in touch with you what is your website first of all yeah it's um www.sharedthreads.co.uk and all the information's on there all the groups my email my phone number's on there um um, you're also on social media. I think you mentioned Instagram. Are you on Facebook and, yeah, and Twitter? Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And now, how? I I guess you've already sort of um, mentioned that. Uh, but how does it work now in the middle of pandemic? You you mentioned that the dropping off, people doing bits and pieces in their own home. But do you do ever like a sort of Zoom meetup when you? Do you know like a conference call where you where you would sort of simulate the the group sewing but online? <laughs> well, the groups that have got started, yeah, we've we've had we've had a Zoom meeting and like got everything going and started and um, but yeah, everybody, I find that the groups during lockdown they've just kept really connected through their WhatsApp groups, so they'll all send pictures or um, of what they've made. You know, I've made I've made. 25 bags can someone put the drawstrings on them I'll drop them on your doorstep and you know that kind of that kind of lovely way where everybody's been stuck in their own houses but they've kept connected through this group um and all you know kept busy kept making everyone doing their bits and 
you know, I've got, I've got, you know, 60 holders sewn. Can anyone put the poppers on them for me? Or, you know, <laughs> that kind of, and that's the lovely thing about um, the groups being local to each other. Everybody lives close by. So they're able to just drop a bag at, on someone's doorstep and, and do the next bit. And yeah, that's how the groups have got going. It's been, it's been lovely watching how connected they've stayed, you know, at a time where everybody's feeling so isolated and, you know, insular in their own homes. It's been lovely watching people stay connected and doing something, you know, that's outside of their <laughs> their little four walls. Um, and being sociable as well, you know, because it's really sociable being in a group because they're just you're chatting all the time and messaging each other. And yeah, and whenever things opened up in the summer, some people like did gathering gardens or did outside um, get togethers. Um, yeah, that'll hopefully get started again soon. And um, if people wanted to learn a bit more about uh, period poverty, um, whether on global scale or um, here in Northern Ireland, um, would you ha- can you recommend any resources? Where can they go aside of shared threads? Lots of organisations have loads of good information. The organisation I've just started working with um, bloody good period um, have some great resources um, and lots of information on their website which is good to look at um, but yeah there's there's a, there's the information out there it's, but it's it's um, it is something that people don't know an awful lot about yet um, but it's a real very real issue and also this year um, you know the pandemic has made it worse <laughs> It's made it worse here in the UK and that's made it worse globally. You know, I've reports from India that oh, they just, it's hit them so bad. And there's some, though actually the women in the villages are asking for pads as well, not just the girls trying to get to school, but, you know, so many people have lost their livelihoods, their income, and they just can't afford, you know, period supplies at all. So, yeah. Um, and it's something so basic something that everybody every girl every woman should really have an access to yeah i know that's why it made me cross (laughs) i still can't get my head around it i mean we are really so spoiled um in i mean that would never have occurred to me that there are issues like this you know in i mean obviously in in countries where poverty is a huge problem uh, never mind period uh but that we're fighting this in our corner of the world, you know, that is just horrendous. I mean, as a, growing up as a teenage girl, I would never have thought that somebody like me would not have access to such a basic thing, like a pot, so they can go to school. I know, I know. I know, it's really dreadful. Um but yeah, um, that's why there's been a big push to try and get free supplies in schools, um, which hopefully Northern Ireland will follow very soon. That I, yeah, I think that that would be definitely amazing. And also, um, you know, homeless people, homeless women, homeless girls. I mean, homeless shelters should um, 
I, well, I suppose they do provide these things for women and for girls, but, um, you know, there are, um, I can imagine that in Northern Ireland as well, um, there are number of women and girls who, for whatever reason, maybe would not go to homeless shelter. And how can they access these things? I mean... Well, um, there's a great organization in Belfast called the Homeless Period, um, and they do a lot of work with homeless people getting period supplies to them um and you know we've got we've we've got some of our during the past year we've got a lot of our reusable pads into food banks in belfast so we've had we've had pads going out through food banks in belfast this year oh that is great yeah 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 um i think there's still like you say a lot of education and learning around reusables you know um but there's definitely there's definitely a shift. There's definitely more of an interest. I think also people are starting to realise that it's um, it makes financial sense as well, you know, because you've got a set of washable pads. You don't need to buy supplies every month, you know. You don't. Yeah. Need and also the inconvenience of running out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be great to see them being used more. And we'll just keep making them. <laughs> so you're spending enough time, uh, by the looks of it, by looking after um, other people as well, other women's and girls' needs and and um, doing a lot of good in the world. But um, how do you... I ask this of everyone. I'm curious. How do you look after yourself? I mean, you have three children and you run a huge... Um, amazing project so what do you do to unwind to relax although by the looks of it your group sewing seem pretty relaxing to me but aside of that <laughs> yeah oh yeah no sadly I don't I don't get to like join in on the the groups much I do all the behind the scenes things I don't I don't really do the making that's what all my wonderful volunteers do <laughs> um yeah what do what do I do um I um started to run around the time I started shared threads actually and I was never a runner before I hated it hated it was just a hateful hateful thing to do <laughs> I, I would you know be like feel like I was going to throw up if I ran to the end of the street um but I think something changed around that time I started I did the couch to 5k a couple of times um and I just kind of I realized that it wasn't so much about I think I thought running had to be about keeping fit and getting healthy and strong and which it of course it is but um I realized that it was a really good headspace time for me and I don't run very far I do little runs I'll only you know run a short amount but quite regularly two or three times a week and it just gives me a space to be completely I'm very rarely completely on my own so it gives me you know 20-30 minutes where I just I'm out in the fresh air um just myself on my own my own head <laughs> um so that's that's I, I don't think I could do without that I, I I find that if I haven't run in a week or so I kind of start to go a wee bit crazy so um yeah that's how probably how I would um look after my probably my mental health more than my physical health to be honest <laughs> 
Do you know, I hear so many people saying that and I think you're all crazy because I think I've always thought that running is a stupid exercise and it takes too much effort and I hate it. I didn't start until I was 40. So yeah, I hated it until I was 40 and then suddenly I love it. I couldn't do without it. So it's very, it's very strange. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been told that before. I've been told, just you wait, you learn to love it. That's nah. so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 I felt the same way. I don't know what's happened to me, but I'm definitely, definitely enjoying it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not a sporty person. I don't enjoy sports so that's I mean that's my the exercise I do that and yoga I do a bit of yoga as well but um yeah running is a good headspace good good yeah I, I I can I can absolutely imagine that um I can just see about a million other activities that would do the same thing for me without having to uh, put the effort into running <laughs> running now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I d- I, I'll do a walk I'll go for a hike but please don't make me run I mean I was um uh, when my partner he loves running and he was trying to make me run hi- with him I know he would love it if I if I was to run with him I did 5k with him once I'm never gonna do it again ever <laughs> and I said to him that if we were to get chased by a lion I would just let the lion eat me. Sorry, not running. Just just go ahead. In, enjoy it. Bon appetit, because I am not running. <laughs> well, it's funny you said that you tried running with him. I could not, I would not, I would hate to run with other people. And friends ask me to go running with them all the time. And I say, no, no, that is the beauty of it for me. That is, that is the bonus, is that I'm being on your own. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't mind the company as much. What I do mind when they tried uh, have have a run and have a wee chat while they're running. I don't understand how people can do that. I'm trying to, if I'm running, I'm trying to focus on breathing and not dying. I don't want to have to talk through it. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand how we were running and my partner was trying to have a wee chat with me and constantly talk. I'm just like, shut up, shut up. I'm trying to breathe here. <laughs> I, I don't I honestly don't I don't understand it by each to their own. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. You never know, you might have a turnaround. <laughs> mm, I sincerely doubt that, but watch this space. I am gonna I'm gonna be forty in a few months, so we can have a chat. Right? <laughs> that's, that's gonna happen, that's gonna happen to me. <laughs> I wonder does it does it have anything to do with midlife crisis maybe? <laughs> <laughs> mm, but tell me this um one of the things i also like and uh, to ask people is um we talk about food quite a lot on this podcast so i suppose you have three kids you probably do an awful lot of cooking at home um so what do you like to eat what do you like to cook and have you got a favorite vegetable oh yes i do um yes well what do i cook i cook a lot of cook a lot of rice we, cook, we eat loads of rice in our house um just everybody loves it i love thai food so i cook a lot of thai curries that my kids have just kind of grown up eating other people kind of go how do your kids eat that but they've just they've just always have <laughs> um so yeah um cook a lot of food like that we've kind of a mix of 
things in our house. My one of my one of my boys is dairy free, so I kind of have to think a little bit more about how we cook. Um, and I'm mostly dairy free as well. Um, so yeah, I have to think a little bit more about that. So I use a lot of coconut milk and almond milk, stuff like that. Um, but um, yeah, um, I. And now my kids are older, they do some of the cooking now as well. And I actually, when I when I started working more, I started running an organisation, I had much less time. I, I kind of stopped baking. I used to bake a lot when the kids were little and I just, I just, just don't have time to bake. But now they do the baking, which is great. <laughs> so they, um, well, my 14-year-old, she she loves baking and cooking. And like over this lockdown, she's, she's, had, she's had her brother's and I've just left them to it to be honest I've just there's the ingredients on you go and she she keeps them in check and they all they, they produce lovely things which is wonderful <laughs> but um yeah my favorite vegetable is pak choy I don't know why I love it so much I I put it in everything and it's not always easy to get I used to buy it in the Asian supermarket um but I haven't been going there in the last while just with, you know lockdowns and things um but yeah, absolutely love it. I put that in all our curries. Even if I have soup, I'll add it to soup. I like chop it up and put it in everything because I just love it so much. I think it's something to do with the crunchy white bit and the like. And I would even like one of my favorite things is to just have like pak choy and some rice and soy sauce. Like just really simple. Um, I just yeah. But <laughs> Do you know, this is funny because I nobody ever said pak choy to me. This is so um so rare and so totally random. I actually have organic pak choy from Helen's Bay Organic Gardens in the fridge now. And I I don't like the crunchy bits. I like the leaves and so I end up using the crunchy bits instead of onion because I don't really I can't really eat onion. I have FODMAP issues, so onion's not particularly okay. my biggest friend. So I use it in place of onion and curries and in soup. So you chop it up really finely? I chop it up really finely and I sort of like saute it as a base for a soup or for, for a curry or something. Yeah. And then I enjoy the leaves and use them as a chard or spinach or whatever, or um, quickly yeah. sort yeah. of steam them and then use them as a sort of in a salad or something. But I do not like, I, I, I just, I have to hide the, the crunchy bits because I don't like them. <laughs> Oh no, I love that. I love them in rice. I, my kids love them in noodles, like chicken noodles with pop joy. Yeah. Yum. Yum. <laughs> That is so cool. I yeah, no, it's um I like anything green, but yeah, it's really funny. Like I, I just don't for some reason I just don't like the I don't know why I don't like the crunchy bit. But at least I found a use for it. <laughs> yeah, um so that well that one that my kids love, just um chicken noodle soup with pork joy. They just love that. Um yeah. uh, so how do you make that? So just uh, like um I put garlic and everything. So yeah, bit of garlic, bit of onion, um, chicken stock, a little bit of boiled chicken, um, and like thick like udon noodles, something like that. Kind of kind of stew up all the stock with all of the, uh, and then add the noodles because udon noodles don't need to cook for very long, just a couple of minutes, and add the pak choy at the end. So that you still have crunchy bits. <laughs> soy sauce, bit of soy sauce, little bit of chili chili flakes. 
Um, yeah, that's a that's one that's a favorite in my house. That sounds actually it's really like nice. Some sort of like Asian style chicken noodle soup. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, or sometimes put, or sometimes we put prawns in it, or or just beans. They love like my youngest loves beans, so like butter beans or cannellini beans or something. If we don't have any chicken. Oh, that would be actually a great yeah. vegan, uh, vegan version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do vegan, um, veggie stock and kind of a mix of beans. Butter beans are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really nice. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know what? I actually I have not made a proper sort of crunchy kind of winter style soup like that in a very long time and now i have the bok choy yeah. in the fridge i'm gonna make something like that it's oh. probably gonna be a, a completely i probably won't put chicken in it but i'm gonna i'm gonna make that's actually a really nice inspiration thank you for that i'm gonna make soup because i was i was actually craving last week i was craving proper like kind of chunky vegetable soup and my partner made soup but he blended it um, like yeah. I made re- really nice creamy soup and I was like no I actually fancy proper like winter proper pot of soup with chunks of vegetables <laughs> add some add some noodles add some pot joy oh add some I forgot about the ginger I usually put ginger in as well ginger oh my god I love ginger me too me too <laughs> do you use fresh ginger or do you put like ground ginger like a powder no fresh fresh, fresh. yeah oh very nice Oh my god! And I just, I just got a bottle of um, coconut aminos there because I don't, I prefer that um, over soy sauce. So, oh my oh, god, that you. sounds so nice! I'm gonna make a soup as soon as you're finished. I'm gonna take over the kitchen and make soup with bok choy. You could add a bit of coconut milk just to make it creamier. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, don't I'm you not worry. very good. I'm not very good at following recipes. My friends will laugh at me because I literally don't. I just yeah i don't follow <laughs> recipes so i just i just don't do that <laughs> but i love your like coconut milk addition because i throw coconut milk pretty much into anything and i just like you i love thai food like thai curries are my favorite kinds yeah. of curries just any excuse to chuck a whole tin of coconut milk into a pot <laughs> exactly exactly that's what we had tonight with fish oh very nice <laughs> very nice this is amazing listen thank you so much for um for all you do for a start because you are running an absolutely amazing project so thank you for that thank you for chatting to me about it and thank you for this amazing recipe because i'm going to make some soup now (laughs) yay (laughs) oh thanks so much it's been lovely chatting to you too if you'd like to know more about Shared Threads, visit www.sharedthreads.co.uk or find the project on social media. And if you want to educate yourself more on the topic of period poverty, Kirsty suggested www.bloodygoodperiod.com as one of the sources. Um, it is a really good website and you can find useful information in their Learn tab, where you can also download a period poverty report. As always, you will be able to find Kirsty's recipe in the file section of our Facebook group page, The Sweet Spot on a Farm, where you can download it in a handy PDF. 
format. A vegan version is included and simply use veggie stock in place of chicken stock and Kirsty recommends using a mix of beans to replace the chicken. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any other, please leave us a review or a rating on whichever platform you listen to this podcast on. It takes about 30 seconds and it helps other podcast listeners to find the right content and it helps content makers like myself to find the right kind of audience. And if you have any comments of constructive criticism, any suggestions or simply have a guest in mind that you'd like to hear on the podcast, please drop me a line on social media or email me at thesweetspud at gmail.com. Have a lovely couple of weeks. If you have any old towels or bedding, try and find shared threads group in your area where you can donate it for it to be repurposed for a really good cause. And treat yourself to a lovely pot of soup with bok choy. And most importantly, whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.